0: Hello, you're listening to the Sess Podcast Show, a podcast that inspires engineers to make meaningful projects and pursue their passions. My name is Rodney Osodo and I'm, I'm a mechatronics student. I'm sitting down with engineering students to talk about their process, the lessons they have learned to make an impact. Hello. This week's topic is, we are talking about shift registers and memory devices. So I have my guest, Lorena Wiener. Welcome, Lorena. Thank you. How are you?
1: I'm fine, thank you.
0: How is is week going?
1: Well, it's a tough one. There's a lot of classes and what have you, but quite fine.
0: So could you probably introduce yourself, the course you're doing and probably the year?
1: Okay, as you have said, I'm um, Lauren Owino, but a lot of people know me as Lamoy, so I don't mind if you call me Lamoy. I do electrical and electronics engineering. Here, at you call it Tripoli. I'm currently in my fifth year, almost finishing um, the course, so yes, there's that. Apart from that, I'd say apart from engineering, I'm actually also getting into cybersecurity, so I'm a cybersecurity enthusiast as part of that, yeah.
0: So what made you probably shift to CyberSec or have a passion in CyberSec?
1: I wouldn't call it shifting. I'm still very much into electrical and electronics. It's something like when you're a child, you always tell yourself, I, I want to be a hacker. Let me see, I was telling myself <laughs> that as a child. <laughs> So um, I joined this year, I joined a program called Kamilimu, which is a um, mentorship program for university students. I
0: think I saw your graduation.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. So they basically teach us things you're not taught in class, like public speaking, writing pitches, uh, pitching the pitches themselves, doing your CVs and what have you. So as part of Kamilimu, they have an ICT track. So for the ICT track, I chose cybersecurity. I for now I'm just doing what other cybersecurity people do, so I will learn pen testing and what have you. But my plan is to have it inter- to have integration between electrical and cybersecurity. Maybe doing high hardware security, but we are still in the journey because I'm still learning cybersecurity in itself.
0: Oh, I, I think I saw there was a post on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the air tags for Apple. Someone uh-huh. hacks them. Like, yeah. you see the way you either com- probably communicate with your MCU via UART. Mm-hmm. Uh, in uh, okay UART. Yes.
1: Universal asynchronous something. <laughs>
0: so, like, he was able to get up the specific pins, the ground, uh-huh. uh, VCC, TX, and RX, yeah. so you can be able to either dump the the program or uh-huh. flashing a new program to yeah. the, the device. So I think it's a it's a maturing area so <laughs> you can probably but see people don't like hackers because they they're not white hats.
1: <laughs> okay, when I said hacker at a young age I thought maybe black hat would be nice, mm. but now of course cuz I'm grown up I'm not going to be black <laughs> but it's good to know what they do so that I can protect myself. So I'm learning what they do so that I can be able to protect myself. I'd call myself white or red team. That's what, what they call us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so what are some of the projects you've done over the years?
1: Okay. Most of the projects I've done are usually my class projects. But during Kamilimu we actually did a cyber security project a very nice one we even won
0: <laughs> so how how was the experience so what was it about
1: um the project was to build basically a security incident and event monitoring system so for this is basically in your network we would have the software and it will what can i say go through your network anything that comes in or comes out through your network it will we've given it things to flag so when it flags, for example, people are trying to get into a network, it will flag that, then send an email so that you know something is happening in your software and therefore you can act on it. We had planned, but you didn't get there, or we will get there. We had <laughs> planned to have it, as much as it's detecting, it will also prevent. So if this is something that's not supposed to happen in your network, it will like cut off that person. For example, if I'm trying to get into a network, it will cut you off, so you don't get into the network.
0: So, so this is a uh, probably a firewall.
1: Not a firewall per se, yeah. because um, for this, for our software in particular, yeah. Yeah. it gave you the chance to customize it yourself. Right. Like you see, when you're having a firewall, most times it's there are things like there are things that have already been set. This is what you're going to be looking at but for this it's like if i'm giving it to your company maybe your company has different needs that the firewall doesn't have so your cyber security team should like all that can add custom custom alerts and preventions to your system so it will it's basically like a file but a little bit better
0: (laughs) yes but uh, i think this does does not catch the probably the zero day attack like you actually don't know it until
1: yes find it.
0: so it will not be let's oh okay there, there is no foolproof
1: yeah it, really. it cannot be foolproof at this moment because we are relying on knowing because you were oh, we're looking at your network so we want to see this we have to know this is something we want to flag so maybe after some time is when we'll be able to solve that
0: So does it check for probably the type of communication made or let's say any request made? Like let's say it can check for any SSL, SSH requests or TCP requests or TCP wide, HTTP. So does it check for specific protocols or how does it check?
1: Basically it logs everything that happens in your network. So even if I ping you, it will log that. Then now it's you... To define. So, for example, for our um, for our network, we we logged we we customized it. For example, for anyone scanning my network, scanning my pods, it will give me an alert. That was like for the demo of the presentation. But depending with your needs, maybe there's something else that happens in your network that you want to be alerted on or for that to be stopped. That can be done. We just Find out what exactly because it logs everything, literally everything that happens in your network. So you'll find out, ah, this is something I don't want. Then you customize when this happens a lot or when this happens, block this IP address. Oh,
0: okay, okay. See, but uh,
1: oh, yes,
0: it, it it does work. But let's say let's say for website, mm-hmm. you can only only. Uh, it's recommended you only open, but let's say 443. Yeah. So anything apart from 443 do not open. But now in the let's say the web, the actual website, someone uh-huh. can do an SQL injection yeah. or can let's say a file upload. What's what's it called? Let's say he uploads a file. Mm-hmm. It has a script. Then it runs on your server. Yeah. But it communicates via the 443. Mm-hmm. So uh, how would you catch that?
1: Okay, so for this system, it was not particularly for websites. It was for assist for like a network that has lots of different services. But again, it logs everything, meaning that upload will have been logged.
0: Oh okay okay so oh okay. I see, I see.
1: So you might probably now block uploads as much as mm. it's port 443. Probably block uplo- uploads. Amma um, when someone uploads, give me an alert uh, that okay. something is happening.
0: Yeah. Yes. So let's move on to the shift registers and memory. So we we'll start with the shift registers. Why okay. are they? Sh- why are there shift reg- registers, and why do we need?
1: Okay. So. Uh, Shift registers, normally you'd use them for temporary data storage. Um, uh, you're moving, like for example, uh, you're moving data from, say, an input output port into your main storage. It will be used for that transfer. Basically, it can also store for like the short time before you transfer. It will store that information for you. Then it will basically we call it shifting. It will shift it to the main memory. Oh. But in the, in a similar way, it can also happen the opposite the way from the main memory now to the your input output ports. Yeah.
0: So uh, I think you've covered how, how they work.
1: <laughs> yes, basically, yeah.
0: But now I, I think when I was learning about one, or I think we are learning a lot the same. Mm-hmm. Like you can only shift it for one operation. If the next operation comes, the next cycle comes, it changes, unless it's in that state where it it store it actually stores what's in memory, so it will not change. Let's say a one or a zero, it will no. remain a one or a zero.
1: I'm not sure what I'm getting what you're asking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so like. After an operation, mm-hmm. it will change the state of it. Yeah. So like let's say for a truth table, it would be one zero zero one 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 zero zero. yeah so after let's say a new input comes, it doesn't it, it forgets its previous state. It uh-huh. now turns to the current state.
1: I think that's why we I'd say a shift register is like temporary. It's not like a RAM where you're storing information where you'll use later AMA basically it's like a passage i'm just passing the information i'm not if i'm tempo if i'm storing it's just temporarily for a short time as i'm for example waiting for something else to happen so that i pass the information but it's not for storing so it will shift out then its work it's, there. it's done there it's waiting for the next job it's not there for storing it the information Oh. Does that answer the question? I
0: think so, yes. <laughs> so, I think the, what are the building blocks of shift registers?
1: So, shift registers are actually built with flip-flops. Again, if you've done digital electronics, this is also something you have done. A flip-flop basically has, can I say, stores one bit only. So, for example, if I'm saying I have an 8-bit shift register, that will be made of 8 flip-flops. So, flip-flops, Many times, I'd say, uh, I can think of four at the moment. I'd say SR, that is set, reset. Basically, that's what it does. Helps you when you're setting and resetting a program, if I should call it that. For example, um, a project we're doing for fifth year, not like our final project, but part of our class, we're having a clock. Yeah, we're making a digital clock. So when you're setting you can use the set for the sr so it will set then for example something happens you'll want it to reset so that is something that that you can do then you'll also have d flip flop a d flip flop is for delay you want you have this bit but you want it to wait for something else to happen before it sends out the the bit so you can use a d flip flop for that
0: so oh okay so it waits for, let's say... It's
1: like waiting for something to happen before...
0: Something predetermined.
1: Yes. It's, oh. for example, um, you see for zeros and ones, like yes. binary, there's the, the triggers and, say, the edges. Yes. So, for example, it waits for a certain edge, um, it waits for a certain pattern. When this happens, it will now send out the bit as much as maybe the bit came a little earlier. Oh.
0: So, so probably is an if-else statement in, let's say, programming
1: something like that yes <laughs> then you'd have a jk flip flop. a jk is basically just like an sr but now we are having a clock so you'd say at it's, it's basically synchronized let me say that because when you talk clocks we do we talk synchronization so at set JK is basically SR. It's the same, but for SR, it's you to define when set, when reset
0: is. So for let's say for JK, mm-hmm. can you let's say daisy easy chain them, like a lot of them, mm-hmm. because you have now clock you can be able to maintain the state of the all the the mm-hmm. the JK flip flops. Mm-hmm. And if it's for an SR flip flop, can it be done or can it not be done?
1: So an SR does not really come with a pin for a clock. Yes. So you'll have to define when you're set and when your reset comes in. But for the JK, you can basically synchronize all the J's because you can connect the clocks together. Then they'll work at the same time. But for the SR, because you'll basically have SR, then your outputs. Basically, a flip-flop will give you two outputs, the normal output and the inverse of that output. So for the SR, that is just what it can do. It can give you, you can give it a set, a reset, then it will give you the outputs. But for JK, you can synchronize a lot of them because of the clock.
0: Oh, okay. okay. I, and another one?
1: I've given you T. SR, JK, D. And D. This T. T. Yes. T is trigger.
0: Trigger. Yes. Oh. So I... what's the difference between <laughs> T and
1: D? D is delay. But T is like, um, what can I, for a long time I've been trying to see an easy way to explain. It's like, almost like a switch. It's like when something happens. Basically, when you say T, it's either trigger or toggle. So it's basically, it's like when an input isn't, I, I really don't know. What, <laughs> I'm trying to find so the buttons. So you, probably
0: you trigger something for something to happen.
1: Basically, something like that. But But for a delay,
0: mm -hmm. you wait for something Something to to happen.
1: happen. For it to give you an output, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. And
0: is it J alone?
1: No, it's JK. (laughs) So it's JK. There's JK, SR, D, and T. Yes. So
0: let's say for an 8-bit shift register, so Mm -hmm. we have 8 bits, either JKs or D, then we put a clock yeah anything else insane? okay
1: for example like um i've also just remembered for the clock mm-hmm. we're having counters we're using counters these counters are basically made of jk flip-flops so they can they can basically work together because of the clocks but normally i'd say in a shift register that's that's really it it will have the flip-flops it will just have the flip flops now depending on the type of flip flops that you're having then maybe you'll have a clock signal because for example you have jk as part of your as part of the, the registers that you're using so you can have clocks. so this, that means you can synchronize for example these registers because of the clock
0: oh okay and what are the now the variants of the shift registers like i think i know serial in yeah so can you explain about that?
1: Okay, so shift registers are basically can I say classified according to how information comes in and comes out. So for I'd say there's two ways where information how an information can come in or come out. One is serial. Serial it's like bit after bit following each other. Then there's parallel where will have, for example, eight bits all together coming. So because of this, now we'll have five five types, yes. The first one will be serial in, serial out. So the information will come in one bit, one bit, one bit. No, then you okay, one bit, one bit, one bit. Then you'll have um, that serial in, serial out. You can also have serial in, parallel out. parallel out. So one bit, one bit, but all of them come out at the same time. Then you can have parallel in, parallel out. So lots of information, say eight bits coming at the same time, eight bits coming out at, at the same time. Then you can have parallel in, serial out. So parallel information coming, then serial. Then there's the last one, universal. Universal can do anything you want. <laughs> oh. You can decide parallel in parallel out. You can decide parallel in so serial out. So it's you to decide yes. which
0: module. Basically,
1: use? does any of the operations oh, of the four okay. that has so, have. So why would I
0: use probably a serial or a parallel? Or where should I use a serial and where should I use a parallel shift register?
1: Actually i um, have never actually thought of it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Because I I think mm-hmm. uh, for a serial shift register yeah. it's a bit slow. slower. So let's say let's say you have a JK so it's it is timed by the clock. Uh-huh. So you'll have to wait for let's say you are sending eight bits, we'll have to wait for eight cycles.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: To finish your
1: message. Yeah, to, to finish the... Whatever. But now
0: for the parallel, you can just use one cycle, then you push it to the shift to
1: For some reason in my mind, I feel serial is faster. Mm. How? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to find out why I think that, mm. and I can't come up with that. <laughs> anyway, maybe I'll get back to you on that one. Thank you for the challenge.
0: Okay, okay. So probably we'll just not, or any of our listeners can answer it. Yes. So and so we'll now move to the, to the memory devices. Mm-hmm. Why, why do we water memory devices?
1: So basically when you're working, you'd have, because for example, I'd say I'm programming, say. You'll have to store your information somewhere. And as you say, data now is everything. So you'll obviously always need somewhere to store that data for yourself. So it's important. Basically, for everything that you're going to do, this data has to be stored somewhere. Your program has to be stored somewhere. I'm sending it to, to say, my Arduino board. My Arduino board has to have some memory where it will store this information while it's makes use of it. Let me let me say that. So I'd say memory is important because we're always storing things we're always storing things. (laughs) We're always having data. Yes.
0: (laughs) So uh, from the let's say classical sense, a shift register is also a memory device.
1: Yes. Sort of (laughs) but it
0: stores for short period, temporary. Yes. But now in these other memory devices can be able to store over a long period of time. So how, how do they work?
1: Okay, so first, I think I'd say I'd probably give you types of memories that I can I can give you top of my head. Yes. I'd say RAM and ROM. Lots of you have computers, so you've probably heard of RAM and ROM. No.
0: <laughs> but now I think in a, ROM is mainly found in a... or it's used in mostly in a phone. Compared to, uh, let's say, a computer.
1: Yes, but um, these things, you know, basically for ROM, I'd say it's not programmable really. But you can program it once. Okay, there's where you can actually, yes. But a lot of times it's something that you don't want to change. So, for example, when you're starting up computers, even if it's not your phone, but things like the BIOS setup yeah, yes. can easily be put in your ROM. But you can, of course, use it for in Arduino and also in your phones, lots of memory, lots of devices, let me say that, have room, especially for things that do not change or things you do not want to change.
0: <laughs> but now, let's say for the, the sense of an Arduino, mm-hmm. so it usually has a ROM. Yes. So now, but we are writing to it, like we're changing the program over and over again. Unless, let's say you're in production, you have a, an IoT device that you'll push, let's say, the, the code for let's say one time mm-hmm. then you wait for let's say the next system update to occur then yeah. you push it over either over the air or physically by USB yeah. so but now in Arduino we'll have to change it over and over again yes
1: okay so you yes. see for Rome, mm-hmm. uh mainly it's not supposed to the data is not supposed to change all the time that's true but again you can change for example that's why you have erasable, electrically erasable. For example, for Arduino, it has electrically erasable ROM, but you don't necessarily use EEPROM all the time. For example, in Arduino, you'll have to actually call it to use it. Oh. And when you use it, there's different ways to use it.
0: So where where is the actual code stored for stored? when you push the binary file.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you've actually made me jump. So let me go to memories (laughs) in Arduino. Arduino will basically give you three types of memories. There's this one, Flash. I've heard you mention it in ESP, yes? So Flash is where now the sketch, let me call it that. When you compile, it will basically take that sketch to the Flash memory. And then from there, it's when it will be executed. Then there's the EEPROM. But basically, the role of the Arduino. Now, this is where this you can actually change. You can actually set this, and probably change it because it's erasable. Oh,
0: yes. So I think I've now answered my question. <laughs> yeah. so, so probably a bootloader will be in the EEPROM.
1: Yes, and here, yeah. for example, in your program, you want to store something that is not going to change a lot or basically you want to store long term let me say that Mm. so you can actually call eeprom and now store that data in eeprom because in a normal situation when you're working with your Arduino, you're not constantly calling the rom so this data will be there for some time yes
0: so uh, why would we why would we need a flash memory and not uh, probably a RAM? Because for Arduino Arduino, they think they work the same because if you remove the or if you remove the data, <laughs> it will still be stored in the flash memory.
1: So we'll you know for Arduino okay. it actually has both flash and RAM. Yes. So the flash is where it will store the sketch. That is after you have compiled the program image and the initialized data will be there. But for the SRAM is where you can actually, it stores like the variables that you can manipulate. So basically like other memories would be told it has the stack, the heap, basically the SRAM has that. But flash basically just stores, and you can't change it in flash. Like when you compile that image oh. goes to, now will be stored in flash. So uh, when you change, basically it's, Achieving you can't the change the, the, like the flash <laughs> there, it's like, creating another sketch and taking it to flash you can't change it from there
0: uh, okay. yeah. so I think um, so uh, probably if let's say you have an IoT device yeah. which is streaming data to let's say a server so yeah. how will we store this data temporarily? so let's say you want to do probably batch processing you want to to store then to to read the data store read the data then store then at the end of the day from we now push the, de- the data to you now the cloud yeah. so where will we be storing this data
1: <laughs> i'm trying to see where because when when i look at flash mm. basically it's it does that um it will score it will store that image But for um, Sketch, it's where you can basically create and manipulate, for the SRAM, sorry, it's where you you can basically create and manipulate your variables. But uh, EEPROM, again, is for long-term data. But Flash, you can't manipulate anything there. Basically, it's, can I call it the zeros and ones as much as it's the zeros and ones that have already been made from your program? So I'd say maybe SRAM because here you can create, you can manipulate the variables that are there I'd probably oh. say SRAM, yeah.
0: And let's say if you're adding another module, let's say the SD card module. Yeah. So what's that type of memory?
1: Basically, it's like an external memory, yeah. but it's made, flash and SD card are almost made of the same thing. Basically, they work almost in a similar way. But for Arduino, because I'm actually talking more Arduino mm-hmm. because that's what I'm conversant with, But for Arduino, even if you have information in your flash, you'll still have to load it to the flash. you get, like, even if you come with an SD card, this information will still have to be loaded to the flash. So as much as, I'd probably say, Arduino is not very expandable. You can have the information, but it will have to be loaded in Arduino's memory for it to actually run the program. So as much as you can have it, you can't run it from the SD card.
0: Oh, so is there a way you can, let's say, increase the internal memory size given by, let's say, the Arduino or the ESP boards?
1: When you ask, someone will tell you, go to the next higher board. <laughs> because when you're using Uno, yes. for example, you you have a certain amount of memory that you have, you've been given. So Uno has, for example, for Flash, it has 32 kilobytes of information even if I'm having an SD card, I'll still have to load my image to this 32 kilobytes. So if my information does not fit in this 32 kilobytes, this SD card is not really helping me. So if you ask me, I'll tell you go to Mega because Mega will now give you 56. K.
0: we'll continue going up, up, up the hill, probably up to the computer. <laughs> but what we need is just memory alone.
1: So unless maybe Arduino changes how it works, because every time you'll have to load this information to Flash, and if your Flash does not have information for it, does not have space for it, most times you'd find your program is not functioning as it should be. It's doing things you don't want it to do. Basically, probably it has overwritten something, so it's giving you results that you're not expecting.
0: Oh, okay, okay. I think this has been a very informative session. I think I've learned a lot. I didn't know most of the things that <laughs> right were here. So thank you. Thank you, Lamoy. You're welcome. So uh, our last question is probably what is your favorite software tool?
1: I'd say um, as an electrical engineering student, so a lot of the things I have done in the past four or five years have mostly been electrical circuits. I'd say Proteus. Proteus. It's like very easy to use. I tried I think my first my first software to use for electrical circuits was Multisim. Then I shifted to Proteus and I never went back. And I tried Kaikai and it felt basically Proteus feels like it has the very good UI where I can just shift things and totally, it has everything, everything and it has everything I need. So I'd say it is the best, like the one I use most.
0: And probably some of the softwares you would recommend to our listeners.
1: In terms of what specifically?
0: Electric, electrical simulation.
1: Electrical simulations, mm. number one, <laughs> <laughs> but you can use multi Multisim multi is also quite good. Um, you can also use MATLAB. Because it has the Simulink where you can simulate circuits. So far, those are the ones that I've used for simulations. But there's also KiCard um, and Eagle, yes. Then, when I'm doing Arduino before I bought my board, I used to use TinkerCard. It's very childish and very easy to use again <laughs> because when you basically you see everything as when you'd see it physically. Physical. So, yes, I'd, I'd say Tinker for that.
0: I think freezing does the same thing.
1: Yeah, freezing does that, but mm. I haven't really used it, mm. so I can't recommend it. You just, I, you just, <laughs> okay, thank you.
0: So I think we'll close the session. Hope we'll meet in the next week.
1: Okay, hope so too. Thank you.